Hello, Diminishing Returns listener. I want to play a game. Be it through wires connected to your head, or simply through vibrations in the air, your ears are currently being filled with the audible pompousness that is Diminishing Returns. You're so concerned with the opinions of others that you have neglected your own voice. And now, unless you're able to find and press the stop button within the next two hours, you'll be forced to listen to three idiots talk about the entire Saw franchise in excruciating detail, followed by pitching their own dreadful ideas for Saw sequels. As added penance, you will have the following films spoiled for you. Saw. Saw 2. Saw 3. Saw 4. Saw 5. Saw 6. And Saw 3D. Listen. Or stop. Make your choice. Alan. <laughs> Alan. Yes. Saul. Did you Saul. need a lozenge? <laughs> Saul. You're right. <laughs> Hello? The pair of you take great joy in belittling other people's artistic endeavours, but... Yeah, if, we do. <laughs> if the shoe were on the other foot, what would... Oh, no. It's going to chop our feet off. <laughs> so next to you is molten celluloid, and you must choose whether to pour it on your eyes or your tongue. You have 40 seconds to decide. <laughs> Can I pour it in my ears as a sh- sort of shaky metaphor about making people listen to podcasts where I talk about film? Oh, that would have made that more sense, really wouldn't it? it? <laughs> Here we all are, and we're going to be talking about the Saw films in anticipation of Jigsaw, the eighth mm. film in the series after a, what, seven-year hiatus? Uh the yeah, un- the unnecessary and unwanted remake. <laughs> we're, we're doing- is it a remake? It's not a remake. Oh no, no, re- yeah, sorry, it's a yeah, continuation. Yeah. Reboot? Re- yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like we- one of the, it's going to be one of the sequely reboots, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's kickstarting the the franchise once more. But yes. uh, I suppose to dive right in, it's it's quite a um, notable franchise because they put out a film a year <laughs> for seven years running, which yeah. is quite remarkable. And I, I, it... I must say, I do... I do. Um... Woody Allen did it for about 35 years. I do wonder what the Saw franchise might have been if they'd, you know, <clears throat> taken a little bit of time to <laughs> put a bit of effort into each one instead of just madly rushing it out to meet a deadline. But well, it, it does seem to be like the whole thing was being plotted and like by the but certainly by the time they got to like Saw Four they were planning what Saw mm. Six was gonna well, be yeah, and definitely. how this this all stuff well, was gonna continue. This is this is something I was gonna bring up at some point. I just may as well be now that those last films, certainly from four onwards, definitely, maybe even three, it feels like watching a TV series. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just it's, a con- it's a it feels shitty like, soap opera. Yeah. Mm. But with the, gore it's just it's down to it. yeah it's down to the acting quality for part of it definitely, um, mm. but also that continuation of a series that's not it's not 
a kind of here's a complete plot, but there's a cliffhanger that's going to pull you into the sequel. It's it's just a continuing story. It's like yeah. here's well, a I mean, you, you've even got the filler episodes in there as well. <laughs> yes, purely functional <laughs> chapters that take you to the next point in the story, but. Yeah, very yeah. unusual, I thought, for a film series. Um, and yeah. bear in mind, I watched all these within like a week, basically. And mm. I was watching like the sixth film going, who's who's that? I can't remember. What's guy? Yeah. Who, did he get trapped? I can't remember. So how are you supposed to remember like year to year? Should we give a brief overview of the franchise, actually, for for anyone who hasn't seen any of them and somehow doesn't know what they are? Uh, well, yeah. The, well, the concept is... You wake up, or the character wakes up, they're in some kind of horrific trap in which they have to release themselves through some, theoretically through some sort of retributional way as a, as a way that will yeah. judge the way they've lived their lives. It's, and they're it's supposed usually to learn a, a lesson of, from it. It's usually a sort of Rube Goldberg-esque machine that's sort of like, oh, if you... If you uh, chop and if you, if you pluck enough hairs out of your head to make this machine happy then it won't uh skin you alive <laughs> yeah. in a minute yeah. <laughs> or something like that they they're, they're usually pretty stupid and but they're often related sense, to but... it's sort of like um uh seven yeah it's, it's, it's usually like a you, relation you're a to... You were a barista, so let's see how you like being beaten with a bar on your wrist. Uh, that yeah. was, that's weak, even by saw standards. <laughs> it's the kind of it would be at least like you have to drink uh, like eight gallons of coffee in two minutes. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. And then, sort of concurrent to that, is a sort of ongoing police procedural saga in which they're trying to catch the killer. And then a lot, very, very, very twisty, turny plots in terms of who is on what side and who's double-crossing who. Um, yeah. And lots of sort of callbacks to other things that don't quite I was going to say, sense. they're not even entirely chronological. There's a lot no. of flashbacks. And mm. yeah, it gets very confusing. That, especially yeah. when you're five films in and you just don't care anymore. You're not watching properly. <laughs> I can't imagine how it must have been going to see these. Like, If you saw them in the cinema once a year, like going back year after year, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not surprised the whole thing like died because... I mean, God, like you say, I watched these weeks apart. It didn't die for lack of uh, enthusiasm, I don't think. Oh, well, the sixth one—the sixth one was a noticeable flop compared to the other ones, and it was shortly after that one was released that they, yeah. Should we talk about how it started? The first one. Yeah, do you know the background? I know there was something with a short film. Well, yeah, that's yeah. it. I, I understand it was a short film that obviously got yeah. enough attention that they used that to then get funding well, for, for feature, I guess. Well, what it actually was, was that the director and the writer, they went to um production company for money for a feature version, and the company weren't sure about investing in this new talent. Um, So they said, well, okay, what, go away and make a short and sort of show us what you have in mind. Oh, cool. So they went away, and you know in the scene in the first film, um, the reverse bear trap, probably the most famous saw torture device, Um, that scene from the first film, they pretty much just did that. Um... And the writer who stars in the film anyway, he was in the short, he was the one with the reverse bear trap on. It's more or less the exact same thing, and then it's cutting to him smoking a cigarette and talking to a policeman about how everything went down. Um, but it's all the like the puppets saying, like, you know, Adam, you must rip mm. a man apart to free yourself and whatever. Um, and then on the basis of that, they got funding for the feature film was supposed to go straight to DVD, but then the feature got attention at some festival 
and eventually got a theatrical release because it was like super low huh. budget. Like it's one of those like million dollar. It's a bit of a paranormal activity sort of Blair Witch low budget horror thing that explodes. Yeah, I like that about it. And in fact, my my introduction to Saw was it was this. It, it became a big sort of thing. Uh, that everyone was talking about. Mm. And it was just this shitty horror gore film. And I was like, ah, bollocks to it. I'm not interested in that. And then several years later, or maybe a few years later, I eventually got around to watching it. And my Mm. response was very much, oh, there's a lot more to this than I thought. This is actually more interesting and it's a nice little concept. I thought it was just going to be stupid gore. And there's Mm. actually not that much gore in the first one. No. And my feeling was, yeah, this is like a a plucky low budget film that's, come good and and that makes me a lot more forgiving of the flaws in it Um, Mm, and i I am very much like okay well yeah it's a little bit the acting's shit uh the directing's a little bit raw it feels like someone who's not that experienced but you know it it feels like a 13 year old playing with windows movie (laughs) (laughs) like some effects and i i do love it and that's one thing i do like about horror films is that they do embrace low budget very well and i love that that you know it's you know the bulk of that film is set in that one room and then all mm. the sort of outside stuff it is just like there's a bedroom set there's a there's a hospital room set you know what i mean it's very simple it's all very studio based it feels low budget but i kind of like that i think that's one of the real weaknesses of the film is that it's yeah. it's pitched like a bottle episode it's pitched like you're in this room for 90 minutes but then they keep going outside of it to police stations and things which completely ruins that concept but they they stick and it they would have been a much that. stronger they tighter do. film i, I just think, set in that room st- yeah 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 i know what you mean i did think that as well but because every time they step outside of that room it's dreadful <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah you know i mean it's like some of the sets are just i mean they look so bad it's like when carrie yeah. elwes is like he's supposed to be in his work car park and it looks like he's in a, like a wooden barn it's really strange <laughs> yeah. every yeah, yeah, yeah. room is sort of like three walls and let's not talk discuss here the car chase that um oh, takes place in that first one um, <laughs> yes but, <I> remember <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> what is I, it? Is that the one where it's just sort of like shaky close up on a face? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally like the car is obviously not moving, and Danny Glover's just like moving his hands around <laughs> on the wheel. And, yeah, but I, I kind of like that because it, if it was someone trying to do something on the cheap, it, it wouldn't feel good. But, but if, mm. if this feels like some young, new f- talent filmmakers who've thrown an idea together and they're making it happen, well, it was uh, uh, exactly. And, and I, I kind of I like that. I appreciate James that. Wan, you know? we should add. Um, who we've mm. spoken about before and has obviously gone yes. on to be a, a huge deal in, in not just the horror circuit, but Hollywood as a whole. Yeah, he did um, a Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's currently doing Aquaman mm. for DC. Uh, but yeah, I, basically my response to the first one overall was, oh, this is a lot better than I expected it to be. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I don't actually mind the first one. I I think me and Saul, I remember us having spirited discussion about it yeah, at university because I, I think I, I remember th- liking was the there first as well. one. I think it was the three of us. I remembered liking the first one a lot more than I actually do. Um, a, a lot more of it annoyed me in in this mm. most recent viewing because I remember really getting behind the editing techniques. Oh god, some I of the cannot stand the editing in these it's films. It's really and, irritating. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Well, th- th- this is the same to me as Resident Evil, I'll add. This is exactly the same sort of garish, let's just speed everything up and slow it down for no reason 
But yeah, I, I cannot stand the editing in this film. It's it's for me, honestly, it ruins any sense of tension that would otherwise be in the film. And there's some points in this film that would be really effective and tense if they were just played properly, but then the camera goes and like spins round <laughs> and and sped up yeah. footage and it just ruins it. And you you feel like you're watching a a Nine Inch Nails music video or something. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I feel like we covered a similar thing in the Shallows episode. That There's not really that much story here, so we have to fill the time mm. with slow motion and editing techniques and all that kind of stuff. So the Saw films mainly, probably about a good third of each film is just the camera whipping around someone screaming and like <laughs> then zooming right in on their face and then... Which yeah. they do, they do lay off in the sequels a bit, actually. Towards the end of the franchise, it's not quite as... Well, yeah, they, they seem to be more interested in the police procedural mm. stuff later on than the actual torturing. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I remember that conversation as well. It was, uh, I think it was both of you. I think the three of us were walking home from somewhere and... and you two were basically saying how great the first Saw was. I, I, I'm not sure <laughs> I was just the sequels great. that were bad. Alan certainly was. He was going, no, no, it's a good... It's good. And I, I I, hated it when I first watched it. I, mm. I absolutely hated it. I, um, mm. I I, should add, you know, there, there was this huge hype about the film when it came out. All these people saying it's this brilliant horror film. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I went in with the wrong kind of idea of what it was. But I think I knew what it was. I think I knew it was this kind of riff on films like Cube and things like that. People mm. wake up in a room and don't know, you know. Um, yeah. I just thought it was dreadful. I mean, I, I've made viewing that. I've got a few notes that might give a better sense of what it is about this film that really aggravates me and fucks okay. me off. Well, okay. I, I I made notes for the these films as well, and my mm. very first note for the first Saw film. So this is the first thing that I I thought to write down was this handheld close up cam is getting a bit overbearing. So, <laughs> so it very quickly started to annoy me. Well, <laughs> just... that's similar to me, actually. <laughs> I, my very first note is that it's a brilliant premise, and that's something I want to I want to say. I think part of what upsets me so much with this film is that the concept is absolutely fantastic. Mm. In the right mm. hands, this idea could be one of my all-time favourite films, but I just think mm. it's executed so poorly here. Uh, but my first real note is basically the same as you, Alan. I say um, it's how it's made and put together that fucks me off. Uh, mm. It's trying to be all snazzy and cool, but it just comes across as looking really cheap. Mm. I've put it's Resident <laughs> Evil all over again, in fact. Um, I don't think it's that good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a step down. I've I've made a quote, uh, a note of a, a line in the film here. Right. My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think this sums up the level of writing uh, for dialogue and character interaction in this film. I mean, would it have been better if there had been some actors to deliver the lines? Yeah, uh, that, that's that's another big part. Again, <laughs> of, uh, that's a huge part of why I hate this first film. Um, oh, what? Uh, What's I wrong mean, with the acting. I, is I just want to. I just want to in this yeah. film. I mean, I've never been. I've never been a big fan of Carrie Elwes in general. I think he he's got a certain. Is he thing the little he squeaky do. guy? He's no, the he's Doctor Dr. Gordon. He's, he's the, he's the, the f- one who's like a he's, he's like a bargain bin Jeff Daniels. Oh um, yes, him. That's not how I describe him, but 
Yeah, I, exactly I describe him I as that him. guy out of Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's in Liar Liar. He yeah, yeah. Is, he's the, he's, he is the better of the two. Oh yeah, but he's a, he's, but he he's is, the proper. But he's actor. the he's the star name. Him and Danny Glover are the are the the actors in this. Yeah, um, he he's the actor who feels like he's actually an alright actor, but he's being very badly directed. Yeah, the guy he's playing opposite it. is. The writer, unforgivably bad. <laughs> well, he's the writer. He is... Yeah, and what that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. <laughs> he's he's, he's not obviously good enough, in the film it, yeah. because he's the writer, but he ruins it. He should not have been allowed to lead his film. They 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 shouldn't have okayed that. I like that. I like that he's gone. Well, I've written it. I'm going to be in it. Oh, you're not having the script. Because yeah, that's, him, I mean, Sylvester Stallone built an entire career on that basis. Yeah, but Sylvester Stallone's right actually a very competent <laughs> actor, surprisingly. I mean, well, Sylv- yeah, Sylvester Stallone's a good actor. He hasn't got much of a range, uh, but he, no, but he does that good very at what well. He does. This guy isn't good. And yeah, I think you're right about the, perhaps a more experienced director could have got more out of these people. Um, Just to kind of go through the plot as it happens, I suppose. So these two guys wake up in this dingy, dirty bathroom mm-hmm. um yes. it would appear chained to the pipes no idea of what happened how they got there they said they just went to sleep and woke up there and then they have a bit of interaction with each other mm-hmm. my name's very fucking confused what's your name that sort of thing and then they find a cassette tape well no there's yes. a there's a dead guy in the middle between them oh yeah sorry there's a dead guy in the middle of the room who seems to, to have shot it. himself in the head by the looks of it yeah because he's got a gun yeah. in one hand and a tape recorder in the other Mm-hmm. And they manage to get the tape and play it, and we are introduced to the franchise villain, the the kind of mascot of the series, who's sort of been put up there with the likes of uh, Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and mm-hmm. last week's Chucky and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, Jigsaw. I, yeah. I've I've had a lot of fans of this franchise get very angry with me actually for saying Jigsaw when I mean Billy the puppet, who is apparently called um, Billy, yeah. because they're two separate entities. Even though, if you ask me, the puppet is not a character in its own no. right. The puppet is Jigsaw. It's just yeah. using a, a puppet. Yeah, it's a representation of him because he doesn't want to show his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just saying that so like people don't. Complain on the internet saying, Yeah, it's Billy. Um, so, yeah, Jigsaw uses this puppet to conceal his identity. Well, he's a serial killer, except he's not a serial killer because he oh. never actually murders anyone. He just lets people not save themselves, which is yeah. a defense, a line that's touted throughout the franchise. Try putting that in a court of law. <laughs> exactly. The idea that he's not a murderer. It's absolute. Bullshit. I was it like doesn't... hearing hearing it in the first couple of films. I was like, okay, fine, we're gonna we're gonna grow out of this as the series goes on because it it makes no sense and like it, 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 I don't understand how anyone watching this could think that Jigsaw is like, oh yeah, no, he didn't kill anyone. He's perfectly innocent. Some of the games are games where a person has to choose which person dies, and yes. there is literally no way to save everyone. Yeah. It's not even that he's made it too hard. There is literally no way to... Yeah. So if if someone only saves one person, that doesn't mean they killed the other person. Mm. The person that kidnapped them, chained them up, and put (laughs) them in this thing that's going to kill them, killed them. A more general point I was going to make. How we're supposed to feel about Jigsaw 
or John, as he sort of reveals to be, throughout mm. the franchise. Because I think we're supposed to be on his side. I, yeah. We're supposed to sympathise with him for most of the part. But he's right. a complete like nutcase who... Mm. And, and, and this first film, There's straight away... There's a complete breakdown in logic every time he tries to justify mm. what he's doing. It doesn't hold up at all. Mm. I mean, I, I, think, I think it must be said in the first film... Maybe yeah. we're not meant to sympathise with him so much. I think that well, we is don't really that know kind of... anything about him. And, exactly. And even at the exactly. end, it's very vague. Um, exactly. I think in the first film, he's just a horror. He's, he's just the, a he's voice the, to yeah, the scare bad guy him, in the background. Yeah. But I do think you're right. As the franchise progresses, you're asked to be on his side. Absolutely. Yeah. But I guess I'll get into my issues with that when yeah, we get yeah. to those films. But even in this one, the the people that when we when we come out of that room and we start following Danny Glover and the police. The, the the bodies they find who are victims of jigsaw. One of them's like a benefit cheat, and one of them's someone who attempted suicide. Like these mm. are the bad guys of the world that you've decided need to be judged. It's like <laughs> what what's your motivation behind all this? And 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 one thing I'll say is he's he's an annoyingly theatrical serial killer. <laughs> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff where you wonder who it's for. Uh, mm. I mean the puppet, you know, wouldn't wouldn't just audio have sufficed without a puppet on the screen? Well, it, it's weird that he feels the need to have the puppet and the pig mask. Like that's a yeah. re- returning uh, <laughs> prop as well, and it just feels like a confused bit of branding. It's it's really frustrating when you know when he's rigged up. Oh, the puppet's going to ride into the room on a trike, and its mm. mouth's been rigged to move in time with the audio I've recorded and. It's like this is a lot of work you're doing that could have. Oh, what you could it was set to... up. You could have set up another trap with someone else in this time. I mean, the the, the, the amount of money he must spend on renting out these warehouses yeah. is like entire districts of uh, yeah, like yeah, talk about facilities. talk about wasted potential and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I I re- I wish the last film had been someone. Gets him and puts him in a room, and they're like, "You fucking idiot! Look at you! Look at you! Look at what you've done! You hypocrite! Look at all this bullshit! <laughs> it doesn't make any sense! Doesn't add up!" Yeah, yeah. Now, here, um, peel your skin off with this potato <laughs> peeler. <laughs> <laughs> More of a general thing, but Jigsaw himself is played by an actor, Tobin Bell. Mm. Um, how do we feel about him? Because I, I like Tobin Bell. I, he was a villain in 24. My note from the first film was, um, considering how well Tobin Bell's done out of these films, he's barely in this at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in that first film, he's basically maybe one day's filming of him standing up with blood yeah. stuck to his head, and then, like, day in the studio doing voiceover. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that he is one of the best things in the franchise, but I find him a baffling choice, to be honest. I, mm. I really don't... I don't think he's particularly charismatic. Mm. I don't think he's very interesting. It just feels like, even in that same ballpark, you'd sooner go for a John Lithgow or someone like that. And, mm. and you know, they, I'm sure they tried to get other people who turned it down mm. before mm. Um, they settled on him. But he just seems like a very bland choice for a, a franchise leading villain. Uh, I don't know if he's, I mean it's all about the voice that Yeah, and bear in mind voice what you see the... of him in that first film and they weren't I presume they weren't thinking of he... how we're going to do this in the future. Yeah, when you see more of him it just looks like he looks like Eminem on his deathbed. It <laughs> just doesn't come across right. I don't know. It's... 
Mm. <sighs> Maybe it's just me. I haven't got a problem with that particularly. He's like cause he's like a really a slim shady. Am I right? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You can't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, another another general note if we're doing things. I th- I think the the concept behind this is very intriguing. I, I'm not convinced they handle it that well, but the idea that if someone goes through an experience where they have to make a conscious oh, yeah. decision to live, like I want to survive, that will then motivate them further in in later life because mm. it's reaffirmed mm. their desire to to live. I guess I like that as a concept, and I, I think it works as a single film concept that this one kind of crazy guy does that or puts people yeah. in that position. It doesn't mm. work when you try to get into it too far. Well, that's yeah. I find that really surprising that they really lean into that as a staple of the franchise, as the series, as it goes on. But I agree, it's an interesting idea and avenue to explore. It's a shame they didn't do a better job of it. Um, mm. Oh yeah, on that note, uh, sorry, on that note of um, people having this uh, reaffirmation of life and, and you know, injection of vigour and what have you, um, I've made a note that we're we're introduced to one of his past victims in this film uh, partway through, and it's it's a woman who had uh, the reverse bear trap, as you mm, Amanda. Say, yeah, and and so it's a it's a bear trap that's on her head and rigged to snap open, kind of ripping her jaw open in the process if she doesn't. Yeah, she wakes up in a room and there's a man like lying down in the corner and he's got he's, he's got like an arrow on his stomach, I believe, and yeah, the key is inside him and she needs to stab him open and uh, and yeah. the first question the policeman asks after the um she's done telling the story is, "Are you grateful, Mandy?" <laughs> what kind of question is that for a policeman to ask? No, that's not even going to cross your mind. Are you grateful? <laughs> have, but you know, oh, so you've been through this horrible experience. Um, have you found that you've you've had a reaffirmation of life, and that you wanna you wanna kind of make more of yourself now? Is that that's just not? It wouldn't factor it. Maybe if she was doing the rounds on daytime TV talk <laughs> shows afterwards, maybe that would come up. But I would think most presenters would be socially aware enough to see that that might be deemed as a really offensive thing to <laughs> you ask. You would at least phrase it differently. A, yeah. Phrase it more openly, like, oh, has this experience changed your point of view any, anyway? Yeah. yeah, you know, you wouldn't just go, so are you grateful? <laughs> it's, just, it, it, it's just such a badly written film in terms of dialogue. It's unreal. Uh, um, you know, there were fresh out of film school at the time. I, th- I think th- there was never any expectation that this would go on to be a franchise. This was supposed to be like, oh, we've got money to make a straight-to-DVD low-budget horror film. Hooray. I, I, I don't think it... I don't even think it had the probably the executive influence on it. I think a lot of what they wrote is probably here on the screen. Did you like the little um, kind of theatrical stage model he built of the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. Was oh, really I thought it was elaborate, hilarious. Really elaborately painted. Um, <laughs> far far more detail than necessary. Could have just been a bit of paper with like a square drawn on it. But... <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's like, um, he's an architect, isn't he? Um, that's why he gets the warehouse space. Um, I think they say in like the fourth or fifth one, he's like... This is my new workshop, and this is where I'll do all my designs and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, architects need a lot of space for that 
A3 sheet of paper they work on. <laughs> well, I was wondering, did he make, did he build the bathroom that's in this warehouse? Because otherwise I'm not sure what the logic yeah. would be of having this bathroom in this place. Um, With an eight foot I, wide sliding door. That's, that's, that's yeah. what I took it to mean. I, I took it to be he's built this set to look like a dingy used bathroom. Mm. And he's had to presumably, you know, paints the walls with like mud <laughs> muddied <laughs> water and what have you to make it look dingy and old and mm. yeah i mean it doesn't really mm. make you know what really annoyed me actually sense. just while we're on the subject of bathroom um at one mm. point they find a clue that they have to go into the toilet to find the um the key and yes. the first thing the writer character does is sticks his hand like up the u-bend the gross like din- horrible u-bend and we get some really yeah. gross shots and then the key's actually in the cistern. And it's like, <laughs> the cistern is the first place you would look. Like, the clue is but written that, on I the cistern. I quite cistern. like that, though, because they drew attention to it, because he's got his hands covered in shit, and he goes, oh, I should have looked there first. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know, I was alright with that as a little thing. So then, there's a little gambit those two characters have, because they know they're being watched by a camera at this point. Yes. So they turn the lights off to talk in private. Yes. So... They're making the assumption that, number one, there's no audio on the camera. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's not got any sort of night vision thermal capabilities or what have you. Well, and also also they have to, they must believe that the person watching the video isn't going to be then suspicious when they turn the light back on that is what... and play act uh, the, one of the characters dying. And that, um, and, and can I, like, you know when he does that play acting? Is yeah. that is that meant to be funny? <laughs> I don't know. I was it's, supposed, it's supposed to be him deliberately bad acting, but it's a bad actor doing bad acting acting. But, that's, but is it meant to be... It comes across like he is too insincere. The character can't take it seriously enough to do it without doing a joke of it, which ruins mm. the point of it, because it's obviously doing it to make the guy watching them think that he's poisoned himself and he's dead. Mm. So... I, I like I that is that is the one point in the franchise where I genuinely don't understand what is supposed to be being conveyed because the performances are that bad. Like elsewhere, yeah. it's just bad acting, but that is like confusingly bad. Well, just in terms of uh, I guess weak storytelling, there's also we we have a flashback to uh, uh, the doctor talking about a patient and the mm. hospital orderly sort of goes in and goes, oh, his name's John. And it's like, and that, my note was, well, that hospital hardly isn't at all creepy and suspect. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, actually, like, I mean, like, and obviously then that hospital oddly becomes the what we think is the villain. Then there is a twist, but, yes. but it's like, would, why don't you just put a big fucking neon sign on his head saying, look at this guy, <laughs> look at this guy. It's so... Well, I, I actually quite enjoyed some of the mystery elements. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of suspects, like, right off the bat. There's the creepy orderly, and there's Amanda, and then there's the police. And um, I, I like that we don't know immediately who the killer is. I think it's kind of... It was ruined for me because I knew who Tobin Bell was. He was a villain on 24. So all there is until the very end is a super quick shot of him. Uh, and I'm like, well, I guess he's going to be coming back later on. So yeah, I don't know, too- maybe the mystery worked better for other people, but... Yeah. So the iconic part of the film is mm. towards the end yes. when Dr. Gordon basically realizes that he he has a saw 
and it won't cut through the chain, but it will cut through his leg. And mm. so he can get himself free if he chops his foot off. And that's the big iconic thing. Now, I know this is this is very much in keeping with what I do, but I do need to point out that this is something <laughs> oh, that, no. that uh, the Watchmen graphic novel did before and Mad Max did before that. So it kind of annoys me that this film gets so much credit for the idea. The The problem I have with that is that the guy goes, oh, it's not to cut through the chains. He wants us to cut through our feet. That that comes in about, what, four minutes into the film? It's like, yeah. that would have been a nice little thing later on when they're like, well, why yeah. have we got the saw? We tried cutting through it's the chains. Where they have they come to this realisation later on where it's like, oh my yeah. God. But So it t- takes all the tension out of it. <laughs> it's weirdly done, yeah. Um, the, the, so by the end of the film, it all starts to get a bit messy. Uh, we have one guy we think it's him, and then it turns out it's not him. At one point, it looks like Danny Glover, the cop, has has done all this in order to because he thinks the Doctor is Jigsaw, and so he set all this up. And we're definitely meant to think that it's definitely revealed as like, yeah. oh look, it was him all along. And then yeah. something happens where the orderly shoots the gun, fighting with the wife. Danny Glover runs in immediately, like he was in the next room. And so I was like, okay, so it is him because he was waiting in the next room for something to happen. But then he's fighting with the orderly and it got completely lost there. I, I don't know what was going on. I thought Danny Glover was supposed to be the murderer all along. It gets That's just- my note here is what could have been a tight, interesting thriller just turns into a boring, convoluted soap opera. Yeah. And, yeah. and very badly executed in terms of effects, acting, sound design. And that's quite writing. telling of the rest of the franchise in terms of let's throw as many twists as possible at the end and, and don't worry about it if it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is a recurring theme. Mm. It's hoping that you leave the cinema just being like, oh, whoa, I didn't see any of that coming without sort of working out the logic behind what it. What a twist. Yeah. <laughs> and at the yeah. end of this film, there is a, ooh, what a twist. Yes. Um, yeah, but then the very so final the... twist is like, oh, it was the guy who had cancer. Is completely out of nowhere. It's like there's no setup for that where you go, yeah. oh, right, okay. In fact, it would be quite possible to not catch on like to what mm. it is at all because the guy mm. just sort of stands up and walks out. I would say the big gasp reveal twist is the, yeah, the body, the, the corpse that's been in between them for the entire film stands up and, oh, it was him all along and he was just pretending to be dead and somehow they didn't notice that he was breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I know they, they they reference that in one of the later ones, don't they? Where he like has an injection or takes a pill, and he's yeah. like, "It'll slow down my breathing, so I <laughs> won't even be noticeable." So. It's like what again? Why so theatrical? Oh, because he needs he likes to have a front row seat to the murder. Then why doesn't he watch through the two way mirror? Why <laughs> it is he more comfortable? He can't even he, he can't watch what they're doing. He can only hear what they're doing. He might as well be sat behind the wall listening. It's irritating because the body on the floor doesn't really... Like, it's a mystery why it's there. Neither of them recognise the figure. Um, so it's sort of like, well, obviously it's going to be an alive person then, because otherwise this this body has not factored into any other mystery yeah. or clue or... There has to be a twist in the body because nothing's been done with it. Yeah. I don't know about that. I, I think it's it's fair enough if you buy that it's there as setting the tone. Yeah. They mm. know what's in store for them because there's a mm. dead guy in the room with them. And so mm. it, it, it's immediately very different to if they woke up in that room without a dead body in there. I think I would have preferred it if he'd have been like chained up to another, or appeared to be chained up to another uh, yeah. pipe or something. And then as if, oh, we're not the first ones to be 
Jamie yeah. here. Um, and and uh, then the very final moments of the film are just a montage. Yeah. <laughs> just this weirdly edited kind of see you next time kind of thing. But Which I, makes I me think... wonder, were they planning... At what point in the process did they know they were doing a sequel? Because they must have... It came out the next year, so they must have had an idea they were going to come back for another one before this hit cinemas. And that final montage feels edited almost from a film that had been shot, perhaps not knowing that it needed to set up an immediate sequel. Because it's just some swelling music over footage that... I don't know. So I I hate the first film. I really hate it. <laughs> Well, considering how mu- how many things I've just picked out and slagged them off, I I, I have a sort of affection for it because because thing like I said, I think I forgive a lot because it feels like a low budget thing. They're scra- mm. they're scrapping it together, so I'm, I forgive a lot of things, and I, and I think it's a great concept uh, that in this first film they just about get away with. As soon as they try and expand it, it doesn't really work. But um, as as we say, they they did pump one out a year, so yes. uh, I guess we better move on swiftly to the yes the next year's to entry, Saw Two. Yes, which um I I think this is the most classic version of what I think people think of a Saw film being, where it's a yeah. bunch of people they're trapped in a house, the police are interrogating Jigsaw himself is actually there. Um, yeah. He has a lot of screen time in this one, and they're cutting back and forth. The Donnie Wahlberg's in it, and his son's mm. in the house, and he's trying to find things. And they're going through various tasks and things inside this abandoned home, um, yeah. trying to get out. And you know, I think it's just classic. This is what classic Saw is to me. And this again, one. this was this was one where a lot of things worked for me on this, and I liked it. Uh, there's still problems with it. But I think the the concept is really nice. The sort of twist well, I was going to say, I think works, conceptually the... this is great again, and it, it really winds me up that it's not done better. Yeah, <laughs> they've they've stuck with the tradition of mediocre actors. <laughs> the, the the acting's better than the first film, though overall, I would say. Yeah, but they're still not good actors. They're not good, but it's compared to the first one when you watch through the franchise it's like oh i can breathe and again I th- this is- yeah i think the writing let's sit down slightly the concept of those people trapped in the room together they have to deal with each other it's it's just cube isn't it except you've got this police procedural going on at the same yeah. time but cube it's, didn't it's, uh, it's the writing that, though because obviously the twilight zone the writing lets it down because these characters are quite weak and they're all just complete assholes you don't like any of them you don't want any mm. of them to live you, they, and they're all played as these very stock characters. Like, oh, you're the arsehole uh, man. You're the arsehole woman. You're the quieter yeah. woman, but who's still an arsehole. Like, With just... the exception of um, Amanda, who returns from the first film. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, did you recognise her? Uh, I don't know. I don't know no. the actress from anything else. And no, no. Uh, I mean, she won, but in the in the plot of the film, she's like she goes, "Oh well, I've been in the, one of these before," and yes. then then I and, twigged and it. I, I, I work, you know. Yeah, I, I and I must admit, I I really like the idea of bringing her back from the first film and putting mm, her in a mm. place with all like the the person who's been through it all before. Yeah. Um, whether or not it really because the twist is that she is working with Jigsaw because she's gone over to his yeah. dark side and his bizarre... she's there as a kind of plan and none of that works God at all. God complex. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but 
I like the idea of bringing that character back and having a bit more continuity between films that mm. wouldn't otherwise Yeah, because Carrie Elwes was certainly not coming back uh, yeah. after big disputes he had with this quite, quite minor miracle that they managed to get him back at all. Um, but oh, yeah, I you'll notice that, that from... What's, what's yeah, I was going to say, what's, what's all go this? On, give us the goss. Oh, he was. He felt shafted by because Saw was one of those classic low budget sort of. Oh well, you know, you'll be paid on the basis of you know how much money it makes and all that kind of stuff. And I think he felt like he was uh, uh, conned out of a lot of money. So you'll notice that through Saw um, two to seven, you won't even see archive footage of him or pictures or anything. It's like he's just did not allow use of his image mm. at all. Mm. Good, uh, but. Anyway, <laughs> good so for him. There's still, yeah. yeah, you make a little low budget film. It ends up being a huge success. You're like, give me a little piece. Give me, let me whip my beak. You know, yeah. come back. Like, just pay him. Come on. So with this one, we get we get a new cop who is like a pretty standard cop character. But okay, so we and and what we what we have the setup with the people in the room, which I quite like. And, and this is something they do. That you have basically one person or a group of people going through a trap journey and running concurrent to the police procedural stuff. It's that's the standard setup of these these films. I think it works. I think it's quite nice. I think the cop stuff is a is a is a uh, distraction from the interesting yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree. I, I I throughout this franchise it feels as if the policeman procedural drama elements are there because they couldn't figure out how to get the film up to 90 minutes without them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I must admit, I think the second film is one of the best instances of trying to incorporate two plots like that. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, they are connected. Jobs at, yeah, because it's obviously the policeman's rushing to try and solve the case as it's happening, and it. And then yeah. the way the twist falls out works. It makes sense. It's it's quite yeah. a neat thing. Which compared mm. to the later films, where the, none of the twists make any sense whatsoever, and yeah. and you know even this one has some talking about the weird traps and things. This film still has some inventive, interesting traps for the people. There's um there's the the big pit of of used oh, needles, syringes. Yeah. yeah, that someone has to dig through to find um a key or something. Yeah, there's the the box that is designed so you can reach your hands in to get a um a key again but then when you mm. try and take your hands out it like will slice your hands off because it's built mm. in a specific mm. way which annoyed me a bit cuz another person in the room could very easily have uh, yeah. sort of lifted up the well, flaps that one, and got her hands out that but, one didn't mm. quite make sense because i'm not sure what the way to get out of that is like what's the what's the successful way of of beating the trap? Is it like do you need got... someone else to like hold the the, the shards while you yeah, put your you hand yeah, through? It's, it's not be... it's not designed in a way that is very yeah it's not really designed to let you get out with your hands. But mm. at the same time, you could easily hack it with two people on it at once. And but, but also, I, I mean, a lot well, of these traps aren't designed the, to be able, like of you point, often have yeah. to sacrifice a, a body part to get out of mm. there. Like. Yeah, but the, the the point of that, I think, and with all those people, is that they are all like selfish assholes, and so if they work together, they might be able to solve something. Yeah, but they don't exactly, yeah. and and that's what Jigsaw is relying on. That's what he's judging yeah. them on. But and I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. What I did like about that whole setup in the house is that every character has their own little their they have their own personalized trap and they have their own tape recorder but we only yeah. see like three or four of them because and yeah. and I like the concept that if they'd gone in a different direction it would have been a different it would have played out differently 
Yeah. And I quite like that. I like that as a sort of the nebulous possibilities that were behind it. But this is the one that happened. This is the one we're showing. Because that mm. fits in with what Jigsaw does in that there's many possibilities, but at the end, the result is still kind of the same. Mm. Um, I quite mm. like that idea. Uh, and mm. the, and they, they didn't signpost it too much. They just played it out nicely. It was, it was all right. Mm. 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 Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's a really shit film, but I think it um, conceptually it's very nice. Uh, there's a lot. There is good in it. Um, it's not just completely devoid of of uh, merit, and I might actually prefer it to the first. Yeah, I think I probably do. Um, I don't know. Like I said, this feels like a classic. This is sort of like how Friday the first, how Friday the Thirteenth Part One isn't really a you yeah. know a true representation of what that series is. I think this is a true representation of what this series is more than the. The mm. first one. Okay, so the third one, my first note is me getting really annoyed saying there's just no plot, it's just a series of rehashed set pieces that are really bland and uninspired. Um, I think the third film begins really badly, but it kind of halfway through shifts gear into a proper plot with the guy trying to make his way through these personalised traps. And I think once it gets into that mode, it becomes a lot better. Yeah. It's still not very good, but it re- again, the recurring theme of these films is that the, the, the flashbacks with Jigsaw, the police procedural stuff, is absolute garbage. And yeah. the stuff with people making their way through the traps and rooms is generally far more interesting. <laughs> Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, in this film, as again, one of my notes was right. We've had about three false starts now. So is this because we have we have a, a we have a sort of a, a someone in a trap straight away. Then we get we go back to the policewoman who is angry at herself because she didn't save uh, not Marky Mark, and then she yeah. she's at home and she blindly shoots into a, a cupboard for for some reason. <laughs> Um, because, uh, like, I don't know what sort of police training they get in America that the, that's an acceptable thing to do. Just <laughs> in in a, a in what looks closet. like a domestic apartment as well. Like presumably those bullets went straight through the wall into like the family next door. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. But um, but anyway, then she gets killed, or we don't see the killer, but she sees them and she she goes like, "Oh my god, it's you!" That kind of thing. But we already know who the killer is because we've seen it in the last film. We know it's mm. Jigsaw and we know he's being helped by that woman. So where's the ambiguity there? Why are we playing with ambiguity? And then we set, set up this doctor who, again, is like a completely new character. And then we go, okay, so this is the, this is the main character. And then we get this guy who's in the trap. And like, I'm like, for fuck's sake, will we yeah. just start this film and get on with it? And that's the thing. Yeah. The guy in the trap is the main plot of the film. It just takes about half the runtime before you get there. Well, for for the longest time, you don't know how it's connected. So you yeah. think that Jigsaw has this doctor and her task is you've got to keep him alive or your head's going to blow up. And happening concurrently is this guy going through these, uh, tra- you know, um, tests. Um, there are other people in traps and he has to help them out of... Yeah, help them out of it. I really think uh, a, a different edit of the film would help it so much to just establish that guy and his journey a bit earlier on. Because at the start, it feels like just disconnected series of events that don't really have any coherent... Yeah, you could literally start the film with the guy, he's with his kid, they're about to cross the road, and it's a hit and run. 
It's like yeah. a, a huge moment. He's screaming, he's crying, his kid in his arms, and the driver mm. just drives off, and he like looks him in the eye and then runs off. You know what I mean? You could have this great emotional moment. The basic concept here of this, you know, the core plot of him is actually quite a nice idea again. This guy's kid was killed in a hit and run, and, and Jigsaw has assembled all of the people this guy might want to blame for his loss, and he has to basically save them and choose whether or not to save them. You know, it's a hit and run, and it's like, I don't want to diminish the emotional impact of that for the guy whose kid it was, but is that a, that's not an evil person, is it? That's someone who, you know, yeah. perhaps was not, perhaps was speeding or something like that, but it's not someone who went out and go, I'm going to murder a kid today. And, and yeah. so, does the punishment fit the crime, you know? You've also got the, the judge who gave the guy too light a sentence, even though he's, you know, doing his job following legal protocol. <laughs> uh, you've got the the woman who didn't stick around and help adequately enough or I know she she was a witness but she didn't come forward, basically. I think that was the idea. And so if she'd said, Oh yeah, that guy definitely hit him and then ran off but again, like they knew it was him. The, the idea was not that he was guilty or not, it was that he didn't get a heavy enough sentence. And yeah. so like what um, yeah, it doesn't. It didn't quite make sense, did it? It didn't quite have enough impact to to justify what they were doing. It's a good broad concept. I just wish they'd ironed it out a bit better. And this and there's another problem here that uh, that runs right through this whole entire franchise. He makes the decision right. I'm going to save this person. Okay, I'm going to do the action that hurts me, but is sacrificed to save someone else, or or whatever the concept is in that machine. But then they don't quite make it in time and they die anyway. And it's just like, if you've made the moral choice and then the person dies anyway, then why, Then what's the point of this? The, the, the idea is that they go through with it and all the way through it we're going, well, I know he's not going to save this person because then he's going to get just stuck with this person. Like, yeah. So this person has to die, otherwise it's just a, it's a loose end. And that's what happens in this film, in Saw 3, because he saves the judge, he chooses to save yeah. the judge... And then we've got this judge there that's just knocking about being like annoying in the background. It's like, all right, <laughs> now we have to get rid of him somehow. And then that completely undermines everything they do. Yeah, I completely agree. Basically, he has to take a bullet to save this guy. The trap obviously isn't well designed because he can manage to get the key out and just angle himself so it doesn't, that when the gun fires, it doesn't hit him, which immediately yeah. is completely ruined the point of it. And then just to make mm. that kind of valid, it shoots the guy, the other guy in the face and kills him. Mm. Which just completely mm. undercuts any kind of moral justice we're trying to do here. The, the, the traps really wind me up in these films throughout, to be honest. There's so many instances where there are big cogs on display, and if they just took their t-shirts off and shoved them in the cogs, it'd stop the machine being <laughs> able to move. Mm. There's, there's loads of stuff like that throughout. Meanwhile, we have um, brain surgery um, oh, yeah. being performed oh, on Jigsaw, God. which is the only sequence in the entire series that really made me wince. I, I found that really? whole... Se- yeah, it's like 10 minutes of... Brains creep me out. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> the whole 10 minutes is... Yeah. Um, something that really annoys me around this point in Saw 3 is that Jigsaw talks about his life's work. <laughs> he only really started doing this torture thing recently didn't he like when he was supposed to believe he was a normal bloke and then he got cancer and then decided he broke bad yeah 
I do like some of the traps in these films, but it's not on a, oh, that's gory and horrible. It's just like, oh, that's inventive. That's interesting. Yeah. And the first yeah. one in this film that I like is the ice room. That's the first point oh, where it yeah. doesn't just feel like a rehash of something they've already done. It feels like a new yeah. concept. Um, mm. And that's where it's basically in a big freezer. There's a woman sort of chained up to the middle of the room, uh, naked, being sprayed with water that will, you know, freeze on her and then sprayed again and it freezes and building up a big coat of ice around her, mm. which is it's it's a really quite inventive way to do things and it's quite yeah. horrible. The last half when we've got this guy going through these rooms that are tailored to his the death of his child and what have you. I like that more than anything in the first two films. Mm. And it's just the first half of this film being such a, a dry hump, just a, a <laughs> just killing time, basically, that mm. brings it down and makes it the worst film so far in the franchise. But it's a mixed bag, I guess. Well, one mm. of the weakest points for me in this film and for some of the later films is the character of Amanda. Oh, um, God, yeah, I hate because uh, she's very prominent now yeah it goes it goes into so many twists and things and she's not that great an actor and mm. i don't know it just and she's not a particularly interesting character she's yeah. an interesting concept that jigsaw would have a follower but it's done so cartoonishly yeah. badly yeah well and then it, it just diluted as the films go on because it, it He's got all these apprentices. He really does have like a jigsaw yeah, team. And I, I hate the amount that. of people. I hate the it. concept that everyone he touches that survives is because at this point it feels like every one of his survivors comes round to his side and is like, "Oh, yeah. I'm so glad he did that. I'm on your side, mate. You've, you've, I'm woke now. You've, you've lifted the wool from my eyes. I've taken the red pill. What a fucking <laughs> bell end." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, like, because one of his, like, his one big success story was Amanda, and she's a total mm. nutter. In the later film, in the last film, there's this this idea that there is like quite a lot of survivors, but they never show us people yeah, surviving; it just shows people dying. Yeah, you know, Jigsaw does a lot of stuff with like cassette tapes, and I think this one, this uh, this one actually feels like okay, they are setting up a whole series here there's one point where he pours wax mm. on a tape oh, and they never go back to it yeah. and i can only assume that it's the tape that they find him in in his body at yeah, the start of the yeah, next yeah. one but how difficult would it be to rig these tapes and videos yeah. and doors opening and closing it really like... annoys me that because they're, they're they're little tapes but they're pretty big to try and swallow <laughs> yeah you, you better be counting on dying in the la- in like the next few hours because <laughs> otherwise you're gonna clog up your insides or pass it and have to do it again. I just love that he's got a tape ready for every instance as well. Like, as soon as Jeff has slashed his throat, he starts play- he lifts up a tape and starts playing it. And it's like, what if Jeff hadn't done it? And what if something else would have happened in the room? Like, I don't know, something with Amanda or whatever. Now the fourth one, the fourth one opens with them doing an autopsy on Jigsaw I I, this, I actually really like this because I have to admire them from killing off the main villain halfway through a series and maybe I'm just too conditioned to the standard slasher format. Because to be honest, like even halfway through the autopsy, I kept expecting his eyes to like open up or something. <laughs> like, 
I'm just so used to, oh, Jason isn't really dead and he's going to come alive in the middle of the autopsy. And I, I quite like it. I think it, differ, it differs, um, makes the franchise different from other similar horror films. I, I agree to a point, but they've clearly planned it out in a way that, for all intents and purposes, he is not dead and he's just... Well, he is dead. Yeah, but they've planned it out that so that they're going to keep finding things he's set up and tapes he's left behind, and he's going to mm. his mm. he he might as well still be alive as far as the yeah. bulk of the films are concerned. It doesn't really change anything about the dynamic of how the films work because yeah. the the same killer rooms are still going to play exactly how they always have. He's presumably just got a huge archive of hundreds mm. of tapes sat waiting to go and. <laughs> he hasn't been carrying out the the dirty work himself for most of these anyway, has he? It's his fault. No, no, it's no, this is the one where we get uh, a proper introduction. He was in the third film, Costas Mandalore, God. the new who, cop. He kind of looks like Sylvester Stallone if he had a baby with Gary Shandling. This kind of ropey. Yeah. I think that's accurate. This is this is the point. I think it's all four. This is the point where it starts becoming a TV series, but very definitely. Obviously, this thing set up yeah. in Saw Three. Absolutely. But this, yeah. it, there's just a change in tone. It's something about the way it's filmed, and the, and yeah, it looks very studio set all the time. Um, mm. But mm. I did get a bit excited at the beginning of Saw Four when they were doing the autopsy scene because it was just unnecessary detail of all this autopsy stuff, and yeah. they cut they cut his brain out, and I was like, "Are we going to get a Frankenstein jigsaw?" Is that where <laughs> Which would have been fantastic. Oh, that would have been amazing. That's the way you it go really, with the franchise, yeah. but unfortunately not. <laughs> what really annoys me is that um, so they find this tape, and he he says, "Ah, the games have just begun." No, they haven't. You're literally halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but are they? Because time is not linear in the world of Saw. <laughs> no, it isn't. Because <laughs> it Saw seems. Four happens at the same time as Saw Three. This film has quite a cool opening, cold opening trap. I can't remember what this one is. This one is a blind. A guy's been blinded. His eyes have been sewn shut or something. Oh, I hated this. And yeah. a guy's the mouth's been sewn up, so yeah. he can't speak, and they have so to naturally. You go and kill the that's thing. That's my, my they, exact they have to notes. Work to, well, it, no, it really annoys me. I like the puzzle. I like the concept. And I think it could have been a really interesting little, these two guys have to work together, figure out a way to make this work. And that's that's obviously the idea behind the trap. I think they ruin it because almost instantly it just deteriorates into the two of them having a fight. Yeah. And mm. it also doesn't address the fact that just because your mouth's been sewn up doesn't mean you can't communicate. communicate. You, yeah. you can still mm. speak, you can still talk like this. <laughs> Well, it doesn't make any sense because immediately as the trap is done, yeah. the guy like rips open his own that mouth too. anyway. So, <laughs> but I think the basic concept of the trap's quite good. That this is pretty much the only positive thing I have to say about this film. So I'm getting it out of the way now. Uh, this does this throws in a classic police police procedural trope here. Uh, the cop, the local cop, is doing his job. Oh, and in comes the arrogant FBI agents who think he's a small town cop who doesn't know. What and he's he was doing. just three days from retirement. He's <laughs> too old for this shit. <laughs> they had no ideas, no original ideas here. What can we do? Let's get Johnson and Johnson in. My um, my notes now are just the words "so boring" over and over until we get to the <sighs> hair machine. So wake me up when oh. we get there. And, and... 
I, I made a note about that particular thing as well, because it's this woman who's going to... She's, like, attached to a machine that's going to, like, rip her hair off and completely scalp her. Mm. Um, I've seen this exact thing done in another film, Piranha 3D, where a woman <laughs> gets her hair, like, caught in a propeller sort of thing. And there it's sort of funny, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. And here it's just miserable and dull. Unpleasant. Yeah, very unpleasant. And annoying, because this is the point where... The guy remembers halfway through... Well, this is it. This is the the bit halfway (laughs) through the guy remembers he's got a gun and he hasn't (laughs) tried using it yet and he tries shooting the cogs on the machine. And this is another instance where he could very easily take some clothing off and wedge it in the machine and that would have stopped it being able to work. And shooting the machine doesn't work. But he could have shot the hair. Which, even after that, he could probably try and and cut through the hairs one at a time. If he's got his keys in his pocket, he could could, Mm. uh, start sawing through the hair. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Mm. That's the only note I've made about this film, other than that. One more thing that I'd like to talk about, because they try to um, give a reasoning for Jigsaw's whole pig mask thing here. (laughs) By expositing that he decided to kill people in the year of the pig. Uh, And it's also in this one where it's established that he had a wife um, who we haven't talked about. She lost the baby that she was pregnant with as a result of this junkie guy. Yeah, we so we establish her, her as a character now, and she's in it for the rest of the franchise. <sighs> uh, dreadful actress. I think she's really bad. And she is exactly, like, she just looks like a soap star. What you were saying about it becoming a, a TV show at this point, th- this is the filler episode. I, I really think this film is just getting from point A to B. It's just filling in the yeah. gap, the blank between Saw 3 and Saw 5. There's no yeah. film here. It's absolute horseshit. It's a series of events that are very loosely connected and don't really have any entertainment value, frankly. Mm. Uh, th- this is the low point of the franchise for me. I think this film is pretty unforgivably bad. Um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Saw Five, though, I only made one note, and I just said worst of the lot. So, no, I, no, I, I do I, think I... that Saw Five is. Oh, I think that Saw Five is worse. I think Saw Five's a huge step up from Saw Four. Oh, good lord! I didn't even enjoy the. Um, this is. The, I think this is the first one where the um, the torture subplot to all the police procedural stuff has absolutely no relevance to anything else that's going on. You just mm. have these five people who wake up and they're going through... Um... Oh, is, it, is this the real estate one? Uh, yes, where there was like a journalist who was investigating and they... Yeah, yeah. What did they do? They set, a, they set a fire in a building and some people died or something. And the characters know, are really... really poorly written and thought yeah, through. Yeah, they're really, really bad. interact like that's real human beings. Now, so. Yeah. But I, but I would much rather watch their story than the police stuff. I find what they're doing way yeah. more interesting than anything else going on. And we have the FBI agent like following Costas Mandalore around. He's like on the track of him, and 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 that's sort of it, really. I, is this the one that ends with him getting crushed? Yeah, but I, this is yeah. the one where I could never quite figure out which one was which. Um... <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, on that note. 
I, I watched this uh, with my partner and uh, she wasn't really paying attention and at the end of the film when you see him looking at the guy getting crushed she, she said, hang on, what? Why was he looking at himself getting crushed? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she thought it had gone into some weird art house territory of... Uh... <laughs> Well, that's of, what uh, I was thinking. Looking as well. up and seeing yourself as you die. <laughs> There's all this big hubbub about. Oh yeah, we've we finally caught Jigsaw. Oh, we're gonna give this guy a medal. Blah blah blah. But then the other cop who had to stab himself in the throat with a pen, he knows. Like he he sees Jigsaw's dead body, and then he wakes up in this trap with his head trapped in the water thing that was supposed to kill him. Yeah. So he knows that someone else put him in that trap, not Jigsaw, because he saw Jigsaw's dead body. So yes. why are, the, and he's a policeman, he's an FBI agent. So why are the police going, yep, Jigsaw's over, that's that wrapped up, we can put that one to bed, thank you, here's a medal. Because they are terrible police <laughs> in this town, the FBI, every, I mean, it's, it's dreadful. It's, it's like, at the end of this, like, it literally, um, walls, you know, in an Indiana Jones fashion start closing and crush the guy to death, and it's like, to get that to work, the hydraulics that would be needed yeah. to, <laughs> I mean, just check, like, re- I mean, you can't get hydraulics from, you know, it must be a very specialist place you need to go for that sort of thing, and mm. just check records, he's been buying all this stuff. Yeah. Follow the address. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. It is it is shit, but I think it's a step up significantly from the previous film. So then there's six. Yeah. Which had a better plot uh, that works yes. as a sort of I I thought this this one was a significant step up. Yeah. Um I which agree. is a shame considering it's the lowest grossing of the franchise and the one that made them put the lid on it back when they did. This one felt like it had some real effort put into it. Well, actually, we, we I've just uh, remembered something that uh, we didn't we didn't mention. Um, Saw which one is it? Saw five is directed by the production designer of the previous Saw films. Huh. Oh, not the original Saw, but like after the uh, yeah. It's basically, it's Darren Lynn Boosman's production designer. He's the director. Um, and so he stepped on up as director in kind of like a Jaws three D sort of yeah. way. And then the director of this one, of six and seven, I think they did both of them, was the editor of the previous Saw films, oh, who again hmm. hadn't really directed anything before, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, yeah, especially as these ones are perhaps they're a big step up. Yeah, and they're not more normally edited. <laughs> like yeah, they're yeah. less frantic that's, in the editing. That's true. They they kind of become just normally made films. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the sixth one opens on a trap that uh, I think we spoke about. It was the two people in like a cage Mm. uh, opposite from each other. There's some weighing scales in the middle of the room. They've Mm. got a weird thing on their head that's going to drill into their head, killing them in Mm. a minute or two's time. And whoever whoever scale weighs the most will be saved and it won't kill them. And the person whose scale weighs the least will die. Mm-hmm. And they've got a load of knives and things on a table in front of them to mm. chop things off, basically, and chuck them down the chute. So what would you do if you were in that trap? Put something else on the scale, I guess? Yeah, I'd, I'd um, first thing, take my clothes off. Take my <laughs> yeah. clothes off, maybe. Ball up your t-shirt, roll that down yeah. there, try and get that down there. Second thing I'd try, maybe try and have a wee. See if yeah. I could get that down the chute. Maybe have a shit. Mm. Um, see if I can have a shit. Yeah, but then while you're doing that, the other person's cutting off hunks of their flesh 
and they're gonna so they're gonna live. So you know. Well, that's it. I don't know how easy it is to cut off a like a big ham hock off your side. I'm, I'm yeah. not convinced <laughs> that that's something you could do in sort of sixty seconds. And yeah, no, I. I well, this I is agree. the problem with all the traps at this point. It's like they literally have sixty seconds yeah. to do it. In the first film, Doctor Gordon had like a whole day yeah. to kill the other guy. Exactly. Uh, um, and and also, I would. Uh, I'd at least try to to get the knives free and maybe use a knife to chop the chains on the other knives and that sort of thing, wedge them free and chuck them down there because they're going to mm. weigh a fair bit. So there's three things that I would have tried before it came to chopping my limbs off. But uh, <laughs> could you put? Yeah, you could actually put the implements um, down there. Mm. Uh, they are they are attached to the table like a pen uh, or a bank, but. They, <laughs> it's a crappy old wooden table. I don't think it would take much to. I, I'm pretty sure you could wedge one of them free or use the big mm. meat cleaver to it's whack probably, through the chain. It's probably easier than cutting through bone, which is pretty hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's a it's a decent little opening trap. Yeah, but they do bring her back in the next one. She's at the uh, Jigsaw Survivors group. The the main sort of story in this one is the life insurance guy mm-hmm. going through yes. uh, tests and whatnot with his staff. Jigsaw's pissed off that he was denied experimental medical treatment for his cancer on his insurance plan. Yeah. And he decides to take it out on the person who works at this life insurance company. It was a health insurance company. If it was life health insurance, insurance so, yeah, wouldn't sorry. be a problem because oh, he's yes. going to die. Course, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, just, he decides to take it out on the guy who works at this health insurance company. Who... Oh, well, the thing is with this one, this is the one, even though it feels petty, at least it feels personal to Jigsaw and that's why he yeah. would do it. It doesn't make me think Jigsaw's a, like a good person who's on some sort of crusade, mm. but at least it gives me a... Uh, an emotional compulsion that he would have to mm. do it. But it makes it a bit too personal. Like, just this... Like, for for one thing, why is this one guy who works at the health insurance, like, meeting every patient personally to tell them that <laughs> he's going to let them die? Like, what... <laughs> who, like, yeah. who has that sort of access to the health insurance? I think they specific... I think these kind of um, companies specifically don't do that sort of thing. I don't think they actually yeah. talk to people. Yeah, well, you don't exactly. get to the head of the company because and... then it opens up all sorts of moral yeah. problems. And, and the, the big issue really is like at the end of the day, Jigsaw's problem isn't with these companies and the people just doing their job at the companies. It's with America's lack of healthcare and the the political organisations and people lobbying against it. So he's not... I don't know if it's quite the right guy to pick on at the end of the day. Maybe if he hadn't spent all his money renting out these huge warehouses, <laughs> he would be able to afford to go to Norway and and that that sets up um, Saw Eight, where um, in the White House. <laughs> oh, don't! I've got satire in my pitch. Better leave that. Well, um, one of my yeah. one of my notes here says Jigsaw hates health insurance companies. Communist. <laughs> <laughs> I bet uh, you Jigsaw hates communists, though. I bet if he was still alive, he'd be going on Twitter. And every time someone complains about a neo-Nazi, you go, <laughs> Communist killed just as many people as the Nazis. Me, 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 me. He's that sort of guy. More. They killed more. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. If Jigsaw had Twitter, what would that be? Oh, he'd be there insufferable. Too many people. He'd, have a, he'd get a blue tick, and he'd be just insufferable. <laughs> um, so is it the first trap for this guy where he has to choose who lives and who dies? Yes, yes the entire secretary, the entire he's a middle-aged trap, yes. d- diabetic woman, and yeah. 
So I don't really know what Jigsaw's trying to say here. He, he say, I mean, he's he's kind of trying to say there's more nuance to the value of human life than yeah than what you've done, but it, it feels as if he's. But the, the the test is he has to choose between his receptionist, who is a mother with a family and an old woman, uh, or an older woman, and a young man who works at the company who has no emotional ties to anyone, for or so we're told, and therefore mm. wouldn't be as missed if he were Which killed. is really unfair, because she's had like an extra 30 years on him to have these I think... I think you're meant to think, oh yeah, it's a no-brainer. Keep the woman alive. She has a family. But mm, that's not what I thought. Like you say, she's she's had an extra. <laughs> As a young man year. with no emotional connections to anyone, <laughs> so that's not, that that man, that's not what I thought. You don't know what that man. <laughs> Firstly, like obviously, they're both is innocent and deserve to live. So it's it unless it's just meant to be some weird thing to prove a point about nuance. You have to wait till he's at her age. He probably will settle down with a family and have kids and be as valid a member of society. And she's done everything do we, she's going to do now in life. Do, do we know that this guy's like parents aren't going to be bothered about him and stuff? And no, I think I think it's just it's supposed to be saying, look, people are more than just a, a list of ailments on a piece of paper. There's more to it than that. They say, okay, yeah, look, she in theory she. She's got more medical problems, but she's also got uh, more people relying on her. And so, but, you know, like, yeah, I think it's just supposed to be showing, like, the. but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take into account the fact, like, any personal things. And then the next test as well, which is, like, all the people he works with, he has to choose who survives. It, he does know these people personally. So it doesn't take into account the fact, like, mm. uh, she's a bitch, I'm going to let her die. <laughs> like, for, fuck her. Whereas, oh, that guy's mm. all right. He always, he's always says hello in the morning. Like, mm. the whole point of like, the health insurance thing is that it's not personal, is it? He, he, the whole point of that is that it, you are just numbers on a, on a piece of paper. Yeah. Like, that's how it works. I don't know what point is trying to prove. Like, the, the insurance system wouldn't, wouldn't exist without that. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But I like it. I like this one. I like the the mm. the process he has to go through. It makes sense. Well, um, I, I this mm. is this is my favorite up until this point in the series. Um, my my note says it might be the best of the franchise here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Certainly since the second and third ones. I I take mm. it over them even. I, this mm. guy's redemption story, I think, is a good hook. It like we said before, it feels like more thought through and considered mm. than the film's ever been before. The film's now settled into being much more professionally made and not just mm. awful editing and badly acted, as, mm. well, quite as badly acted. Uh, the writing... Yeah, but this, this guy, the central shit. guy, who's the life, the health insurance guy, he seems alright. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's not... Yeah, very, exactly. But he seems like a good TV actor rather than a shit TV yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and all the sequences feel more well put together like there, there's some stupid mm-hmm. characters at times but they they just they all work a bit more it feels like they're a bit more inventive for the most part it's it's, it's completely let down by the b plot with uh boring police policeman stuff, yeah. cop and jigsaw but they're all let down by that another thing that does annoy me a bit again it's about the character developments i think that for so for example this insurance guy his next test or one of the next things he has to do he has like six of the people who work for him and he has to choose two that survive. Mm. And it's mm. and it's like that's gonna be really brutal mm. because 
Yeah. You've literally got to look them in the eyes and go, I'm sorry, I'm not going to save you. And you don't know what order they're going to come in. So he he saves two people and then there's one guy still alive and he knows he's going to die. And it would it just would have been like, let's have a bit more variation. Because like, they're all just screaming like, oh, no, no, save me, save me. Like, have just have one of them going... Do you know what? Let me go. I don't care. That's Just what I was expecting. Go. I was really expecting a character to go, you know what? Kill me. They I haven't got any... to live more than me. Yeah, they, she's and then got maybe kids, that's the one yeah. he lets live. Maybe yeah. not, but... Yeah, exactly. It's... But a bit of variation, because they were all just like, you fucking bitch, that fucking cunt. Yeah. It was all just very like, right, great. I, I really liked it when it's he saves the last girl and the guy's like spinning one mm. more turn around on the carousel and he knows he's going to die. And he's like, oh, well, that's <laughs> great. And then he just like has a go at the guy. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. I, I think the sequences in this film are just generally put together a lot better than the franchise up until this point. That's a good example yeah. of a sequence that works really well for what it is. Mm. And how that insurance guy dies as well, like, is particularly gory and silly. Um, he gets, like, what, hydrochloric acid injected into him? Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't quite like that. Again, it's because he's revealed that to these, this woman and her son, it's like, oh, this is the guy who works at the health insurance company who didn't, who didn't uh, cover your, your dad's thing, your husband's surgery or whatever, and that's why he died. Mm. I mean, he had cancer, but, you know, this is why he died. Um, and, and like, they're immediately like, I don't know, I, even if someone like close to me had died, I wouldn't necessarily go to the health insurance guy and go, oh, I've got an opportunity to murder you and I'm going to do it. Like, my, my, my husband yeah. died three to four months ago and I'm still so angry about it. Exactly. Like, in the heat of the moment, maybe you would do something dramatic, but I think anyone in that situation, or most people in that situation would just go, well, no, obviously I'm not going to kill him. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm angry at the health insurance company, but I'm not going to kill this man who's probably got a wife and kids of his own. Like, what? Exactly. And mm. I, I I think a lot of people might not stab themselves to save someone who did something like that. Maybe. If the situation yeah. was you have to... Kill him or yourself kind of situation. Yeah, or, or, or like a lot of these traps where it's like you have to hold on to this really hot thing to save them or something like that you know mm. maybe you wouldn't go the extra mile to save them maybe you wouldn't have the incentive if that you found that out but there's a world of difference between that and actively M- murdering someone <laughs> murdering them yeah oh, yeah yeah it's like yeah. So someone puts a gun in your hand and says you can shoot that guy if you want but yeah i could well i'm not gonna <laughs> Mm. There's just more continuing soap opera nonsense of like Jigsaw and his wife and Amanda and and that leads us on to the grand finale. Yes, in three final chapter. <laughs> mm. This one immediately the opening it felt very different because it was out in the open. It was daylight. Yes, it was, it, and it, it was after watching the other six. It was like, oh my god, this is really out of place. This feels really weird. This one feels so much different to the rest. Like just stylistically, like there's something about it. It feels more like Final Destination. Yeah, it feels so much more. Gore for gore's sake, very over the yes. top, cartoony gore, like this bright red blood. Well, it's yeah. a 3D film, and every time someone dies, it reminds you that it's yes. a 3D film because it's the only, yeah. the only justification for doing one of these films in 3D. Really, is that you're yeah. going to have blood and guts flying at the screen? That's because they're otherwise very low key, not a lot happening films. So. Mm. But even to the extent of like the, the these this particular opening where it's like two guys and they're on either side of like a a, a workshop 
thing with a buzzsaw in the middle and a girl is above and she's been like double dating them. That is so like, and uh, the, the, the dialogue is so typical of like, you know, uh, these kind of slasher films where these are normally the protagonists, like young mm. teenagers and that really annoyed me that opening scene. It's, it's, a oh, cool... I loved it. Well, it's a really cool idea for an opening taking this sort of thing to further extremes. But you have this crowd of people watching. One woman feebly attempts to smash the window by putting her briefcase against it rather lightly. No concept of the corner of the window being the weak point that you want to go for. No concept of the corner of the briefcase being the strong point that you want to use to smash. And she's the mm-hmm. only person out of a sea of hundreds watching who even tries. This is America. You, you're trying to tell me <laughs> no one in that crowd has a gun on them ready to go. <laughs> I don't buy it. Yeah. Well, this this yeah. scene was so terrible. I, I I assume I did genuinely assume that it was at some point it was going to kind of pull back and someone goes, "All right, cut." And it was like yeah, the film within the that's film. That's what it feels like. Saw. Because it was wow, so yeah, out because actually... it was so out of place within the world we've created. This feels as though it's setting up a different film to me. It feels as though it's setting up a film that's all about Jigsaw going public, you know, streaming his kills on the internet and engaging mm. Twitter in what he's doing and you know, like a like Black Mirror or something like that. It, it feels like they're going down a different route that it just doesn't follow through with and it's a shame because i think it'd be quite interesting to see a like a game of saw on a grand stage like everyone in the world's Mm. involved and they're all big public murders that in public places and i don't know it just felt like wasted opportunity but you know, I, mm. like I say, I think it's an enjoyable sequence, as stupid as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was all for stupid. I really wanted it to embrace that. <laughs> this is the film where we get Doctor Gordon coming back. Carrie Elwes oh, yeah. returns. Well, that's the very uh, first scene, isn't it? With yes, him yes. Before... Well, we follow him. What now, happened when he left the bathroom from the first film? Doesn't this opening, opening, very first scene sort of? Give away the ending. <laughs> well, I say it doesn't mean anything until the very end. It just gives away the twist at the end because you're waiting. Yes. For yeah, it's like okay, and, something's well, I... going to turn up with him later on. And also, who cares? Like, <laughs> unless you like really love the first film. Um, and then we get introduced to the new character, and the way right. he's introduced, it's like he's telling a story of how oh he was in a trap and he would survive. Well, this is I I like the idea of the prota- the protagonist for anyone who hasn't seen it. The he's selling himself as one of these oh jigsaw put me through this ordeal and I've got a new lease on life and he's like a self help guru uh, mm. motivational speaker. But then it turns out it's all a sham and he's just lied and made it up and he never went through any ordeal. He's just riding on the media hype surrounding jigsaw, which I think is a really nice idea for a character and you can buy that Jigsaw would be pissed off about it and what have you. I think maybe it's a bit silly that no one checked any police records. How easy would it be to blow that out of the water? Yeah. (laughs) Like you wouldn't even have to be an investigative journalist. Just anyone in fact you wouldn't even like, oh well I checked the newspaper on the day and there was no headline about it. Yeah. I've checked your medical records or whatever. Ignoring that, I think it's a cool concept. I like that they then go to the group and they have that character just come out and just completely shoot down what these films have been doing up until now. <laughs> which feels like yeah. a, it feels like a new voice coming through and just saying, like, no, this is bullshit. The idea that 
everyone would be on the side of Jigsaw and feel so happy and thankful for this is utter bollocks. You would you probably have PTSD. You would probably be resentful and hate the man, uh, very understandably. Mm. You you wouldn't. It just wouldn't work like that. Certainly not in so many of the characters. You might get one freak anomaly case where it goes that way, but because she was a damaged sort of drug addict person anyway, yeah. and just looking for someone mm-hmm. to support her. Yeah, and, he, and maybe he looked a bit like a dad. <laughs> yeah. But so there, then we have the sequence with all the neo Nazis, and there's a big car, and it's gonna kill them, and that feels like yeah. a completely. As I said before, that just feels so separate from this franchise because for the first time they are truly hor- like just awful human beings. Yeah, and yeah, you're rooting for them <laughs> to you know be killed really because they are dreadful people. Well, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't exactly, but yeah, I know the, you weren't. Well, <laughs> it's the first time that you can buy that. Like, yeah, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if he's gonna pick off these guys because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this one felt like we're supposed to really be enjoying the kills and like you know fist mm. pumping the air and being like yeah go on jigsaw, whereas in the other ones there's always been a hint of sort of like well this is a bit sad actually cause yeah this is a nice middle aged woman who has a family you know? and the traps like really elaborate as well it's it's all built around a car so it's all built yeah. around one concept but they're all gonna die in different ways which is quite. It feels like that's been mm. tailored specifically to the 3D um, yeah. kill count. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that's interesting. I think it's nice that Jigsaw's branching out and trying some new... Well, it's a different Jigsaw, that's why. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, Costas Mandalore. But I think to, to go back to the um, sort of TV show analogy, this does feel like, okay, this is the two-part season finale. Yeah. Like... Everything sort of culminates here with Jigsaw's special guest star, the guy from the pilot. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he, he like he's literally in this for three scenes. I was really disappointed actually. I thought that this film was going to be largely centered around him, and he's in the beginning, and then he pops up at the. Not only is he only in it for three scenes, but it's utterly pointless and doesn't add anything. Yeah. Other than like some very cheap glee of oh they've brought a guy back from the first film we haven't seen in. The mm. last five films. Other than that, it, it doesn't. It, the character, right? Like, it doesn't work for the character. What we saw of him in the first film, it doesn't. Yeah. You don't buy it. It doesn't add anything yeah. really to the world. The of big these twist films. that he is it's, the there's no true disciple of Jigsaw. There's no setup for it, so it's not a twist in the sense that you have any hope of piecing it together or there's any hint of it. They've just plucked it out of their ass, and it's shit. It really annoys me. But overall, you know what. The last film is my favourite. Why? Because <laughs> I think tonally, I think end. it's more fun. I think it, it yeah. it's more... The, the story of that guy and his journey through the trap room, I think, is definitely one of the stronger subplot, or plots they've had with people going through the trap rooms out of all of them. Um, mm. I think his is one of the best that they've done. The traps are interesting, well-crafted. Again, uh, much like the last film, I think the the, the director, I didn't realise it was a new person who came on and did the last two, but I think they are much better at making films than um, <laughs> the previous people. And mm. the last film just feels largely like it, it, it knows what it is a bit more. So... I just, yeah, it's my favourite. Um, Significantly my favourite. disagree with that. Um, but then, bear in mind, I really hate yeah. the first one. 
I really went into the last one. I, I really wanted good things from it, uh, and it just, especially after six, was a significant step up again. Yeah. And if they were really going to throw everything at this one, it had the biggest budget. It was planned as the last instalment. I was very excited. Carrie Elwes was coming back, and it just, yeah, it just dropped the ball completely. Anyone know anything about? I've not even seen a trailer for the new one. Have you not? Oh, I watched no. the trailer this morning before I did my thing because basically it looks like they're just doing exactly the same thing again. Well, <laughs> oh, really? I genuinely think I think the new one has a very good chance of being my favourite by a mile. I think this oh. could end up be is is most likely going to be a sh- another shit film, but mm. it could be alright. That so, firstly, the budget looks bigger. It looks like it's got much bigger open spaces yeah, and true. better sets and things. So that's nice. The dialogue looks dreadful. There's there's a moment in the trailer at the end where they try and have a little joke and the creepy puppet rolls in on a tricycle laughing. Mm-hmm. And then a guy who's clearly meant to be funny goes, yeah, that's not creepy at all. And it's just like, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Doesn't look a, good. a wit on that character. It looks It looks like if they'd made Saw 8 immediately after Saw 7 the next year, it would have been exactly this film. It's like, there doesn't seem to be any difference whatsoever. Well, I got um, I got loads of ideas for uh, for for how to continue the franchise. None of them very. Oh, good. Have you, well, I've got um, about so four can, pictures can, as well. I can rattle off a <laughs> few if you like. Yeah, I did. Right. I did. Oh, I put th- one. I did one in a bit more detail, but I've got a few others that I could. Yeah. Throw okay, out. Okay, so great. Okay, then give us your sequel pitch. Okay, what about one where um, you've got a, it's a prequel and it's a young John, young Jigsaw. He's in the seventies, backpacking around Europe. And gets caught in some sort of trap himself, uh, and that mm. he manages to escape it's an and survive. Story. Yeah, but Still that begins. teaches him that he needs to stop being a hippie and do something worthwhile with his life. And so he starts opening medical centers or whatever he does. I don't know if you could tie that in with like a Hostel prequel as well, like do a, a do a crossover, crossover. thing. I, I haven't really seen Hostel, but um, I know no, it's like just weird European people torturing people, right? I think I think that's I think it. So okay, what yeah. about a film called? Saw's the Revenge, uh, this time it's personal, <laughs> in which a giant saw follows Danny Glover's wife to the Caribbean <laughs> and she's saved w- by Michael Caine. If we're going off titles, I'm worried we're going to have one of the same ones here. Go on then, you do one for us. Alright, I'm jumping ahead. This isn't my proper pitch, but it's one of my four pitches. Okay. Um, so this guy wakes up in a weird cave chained to a wall. And this voice starts saying he needs to like peel off his skin to find a code to deactivate this weaponry or something. Uh, otherwise, mm. an asteroid he's sent into space is going to collide with Earth, wiping out his species. And it's called Dinosaur. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and I, I was thinking we could do it like that, that sitcom from the 90s. <laughs> with big rubbery <laughs> yes. dinosaur costumes. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, what about um, Jigsaw is dead, uh, but he becomes a ghost, but then he has to deal with the ghosts of all his victims because uh, they're <laughs> all just hanging around. <laughs> but but then God like really likes his work because it's all about like wrath and petty spite. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I like that. Uh, do you want to work for me? And so he becomes like an angel of death kind of figure. Brilliant. <laughs> Shall I rattle off another one of my? Yeah, go on. Let's just go. Yeah, back go on. This is okay. good. I love this. I was thinking, um, have you ever seen Takashi's Castle? Oh yes, the the wonderful Japanese import where a hundred Japanese yes. people basically have to jump and run through weird obstacles and people wearing stupid costumes and stuff. What it's kind of like um, 
Gladiator and things like that. But anyway, I was thinking you'd just do a crossover with that, so like a Japanese game show buys the rights to Jigsaw or something, and they send a hundred people into a big house, like Saw 2, <laughs> and they have to, they're just running, like hundreds of Japanese people just running at like different traps, trying to get the keys, and, <laughs> and getting picked off, Love and it. at the end you've got like one or two who... <laughs> make it to the end. I, I love the idea that they'll all come in like they do on Takeshi's Castle and they'll yeah, all be like smiling and wave at the camera and like, <laughs> yeah, let's go. And then they're gonna run in, run into a saw blade or something. I've got a proper pitch mm. as well, if okay. you want to hear that. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so my, yeah. my pitch is to go meta. You go full meta. So this, yeah, it begins with James Wan, he wakes up, he's in a trap or whatever. He's the he's going to be our person going through the, the chase uh, to, right, to answer okay. for his crimes in bringing the Saw franchise to the world. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> along the way, he, he, he has to come up against other people. So first of all, he meets uh, Carrie Elwes, who who's in some sort of trap. And the tape, re- oh. and the tape recorder would say, uh, James, you were responsible for Carrie's shit acting in the first Saw film. Now you must act <laughs> your way out of this. And so basically, Elwes of, is... and and, the, and he gets trapped in a big paper bag, uh, <laughs> and, and he can't—he just can't get out of it because he's not a good enough actor. Okay, yeah, we can we can incorporate that into it. But basically, that. Elwes has uh, got a heart monitor on him. They have to get his heart rate below, like, say, hundred beats per minute. Um, but obviously, mm. he's panicking. He thinks he's going to die. So James Wan has to act. He has to convince Kerry Elwes that everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be cool. Even though it looks bad, everything's going to be fine. And so they have to drop Even though his... we aren't paying you, right, <laughs> yes. so it's all going to be fine. Uh, but he only has like 60 seconds to do it or whatever. It doesn't work. Mm. Elwes is too busy being overly dramatic to listen. And so his heartbeat mm. doesn't go down. And then the time runs out and his heart explodes or the paper bag shrinks oh, and no. crushes him, whatever. So <laughs> Crushed by a paper bag. So then... Now he meets, he goes there, he meets the editor of the film, that's Kevin, Kevin Greutert, I don't know how he's pronounced pronounce his name, Kevin Greutert, mm-hmm. who, um, now he's in a cage full of razor blades, and the tape says, Kevin, you like to cut films so much that people can't possibly watch them. Now you must cut yourself in order to survive. <laughs> and so he has, to, he has to cut himself the same number of cuts that are in Saw 4. But he only has like three awesome. minutes to do it, and so him and James Wan are trying to cut the cut him up with about four thousand cuts. Uh, obviously, they don't they don't manage to do it in time. That's him dead as well. James Wan yeah. moves on. So next up, he comes against uh, Tobin Bell. James, by putting Tobin Bell in a cult film, you have doomed him to a retirement full of fan conventions. Now he must satisfy the army of the, now he must satisfy the army of fans or be crushed under the weight of popular demand. And so basically, we have Tobin Bell. He's on it. He's on a giant seesaw, which I think it's about time we had a proper seesaw in one of these films. Yeah. He's on yeah. one side of the seesaw, and on the other side are a queue of uh, autograph hunters, like nerdy losers. <laughs> I thought and, it was going to be like big rotor blades spinning around. Well, like yeah. Like razor sharp. Um, no, but the roof is, cl- is slowly coming down. It basically has to get rid of the the crowd of autograph hunters so that his side comes down and the roof doesn't crush him. Uh, so in order to do this, he has to sign six by four headshots for each one of them. Uh, <laughs> and, to, and then once they got their thing, they leave. But, uh, but the problem is that, you know, he's trying to clear the entire queue, but they all want to have a picture. They want to like ask him, they want to mm. show him their ideas for a trap that he could use. They want to ask him about continuity errors. He's got in, arthritis. In the yeah. He's just, he's 75 years old. Like so he's, he's just got to work fast through it. His... He's got to just like, <laughs> work through the pain 
Uh, yeah, they, and they they're like going, oh, you know, in the Saw Two, when so and so goes up here, why why does this? <laughs> and he doesn't know. He can't even. He's never even watched the films. He doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, anyway, so that doesn't work. He gets crushed. He gets crushed to death because he can't clear the people fast enough. I say the final oh. one. Okay, finally, James Wan. He comes into a room. He hasn't saved anyone yet, but there we go. Hopefully, he's learned a moral lesson. And he's face to face with the man who brought him here, the the killer, the guy who set this up, and he removes his hood. To, re- to reveal that it's Lee Whannell who uh, <gasps> Sol, that's the guy who was in the first film who wrote it, <laughs> in case you don't know the name. And he, said, and, he, and he says, he accuses James Wan of abandoning him and leaving him with responsibility of the Saw franchise while he went on to become a much more successful uh, filmmaker. Uh, and in order to make up for this and survive, James must give him the part of Aquaman. And now, <laughs> so this is his ultimate test. Um, Lee Whannell steps into one side of the contraption and on the other side is Jason Momoa who is the guy who's playing Aquaman Oh, and then there's some sort of huge circular saw in between them uh, and you know, James is like Lee. You're not right for the part. You haven't got a six pack for a start. You, you, we've we've already established Momoa in, in the role in in one of the other films. Like it's not going to happen, mate. But no, when El is adamant, he he sets the contraption off and says, James, this is a simple choice. Do you pick your friend, the person who helped you create your career, or do you give up on friendship and go with? commercial success and you know he, he thinks this is going to be some difficult moral choice but obviously mm. he's misjudged the situation because mm. James Wan just immediately pulls the lever to kill Winnell um, <laughs> and uh, and then him and Momoa walk out and they go back to Hollywood and make Aquaman <laughs> and it's met with uh, lukewarm reviews yes as always <laughs> okay Calvin give us your pitch Okay, we open the film, as all Saw films do, with someone in a uh, container. And in this case, it's former Prime Minister of Great Britain, David Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't caught up with... uh, You haven't caught up yet, Calvin. We've moved on from Cameron. We all hate Theresa May now. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, 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 I know, but I'm I'm going to use this to... I'm using this to try and explain the true origin of uh, Jigsaw's pig mask. This is just the piece, (laughs) (laughs) This is why it's him. Uh, Okay. To... Catch up international listeners. Um, former Prime Minister David Cameron was accused of uh, doing sexual things with a, a pig's head. University hijinks, we've all done it. <laughs> anyway, so David Cameron is waking up in a cesspit and uh, as penance for his former crimes, Jigsaw is putting David Cameron through a series of grisly politically themed challenges. I have Dispatch Box, which is... Uh, a big box that is going to, like, land on someone. Um, <laughs> well, how does he stop it? <laughs> uh, I haven't thought that much through, actually. <laughs> so you have to uh, filibuster. He has to talk for, like, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's one which is uh, first past the post. <laughs> so he has to, like, race someone. Um, and they can be hindered in some way. They have their shins cut or something. <laughs> can it be um, in like a little go-kart? He has to race around the track. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the, the the big trap climax would be um, a public referendum um, where the people of the UK would vote as to whether or not David Cameron should be eaten alive by pigs. Uh, now, throughout flashbacks throughout the film... Um, we're getting some more Jigsaw backstory where we see that he once lived for a short while in England and ran a farm. <laughs> um, many, many years ago, uh, he took... wasn't foot and mouth, was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he took 
he took great pride in rearing the animals, um, of which pigs were his favourite. Um, but he had, you know, had a very moral stance on, you know, they are reared for slaughter. They are we are we are merely consuming the meat. We are not using them for fur or any kind of vanity fur. sake. That's sort of pig thing. fur, <laughs> a beautiful pig <laughs> fur coat. <laughs> And, uh, anyway, so, um, so Jigsaw's just out in, um, either Oxford or Cambridge. Oh, no, Eton, sorry. <laughs> Eton. And he's just having, having a nice time at the pub, uh, with some mates. And then he sees a load of posh knobheads rock up and they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're doing some hazing ritual stuff outside. And then he steps out and sees a young David Cameron putting his how do you do in a pig's mouth and uh, and then he swears revenge <laughs> but this because he disrespected the pig yes <laughs> and so that's why he uses a pig mask as his uh yes uh, assistant mask okay. thing so what's the story behind uh, the ventriloquist dummy thing oh well that's for the next oh that's the next one installment okay. yeah oh yeah the the public do decide to have Cameron eaten by pigs. Okay. <laughs> so Sol, do you want to round us off? So, I I, I want to do a little role play. Oh, brilliant! Oh, this is fun. Okay. <laughs> so so the film would. This is just to act out what the film would be. The film would be right. a sequel to uh, Calvin running the Brighouse bed and breakfast, and a sequel <laughs> to Sol and Calvin do America. Uh, <laughs> which were parts of our uh, psycho and uh, beavers and buttheads yes pictures okay <laughs> so all right so alan yes you you wake up in a, a dark room and you're you're chained up to the wall and it's like a dirty toilet like in saw okay so i'm in my toilet <laughs> oh <laughs> sad <laughs> And, uh... It just upsets me when you say things. Like that. I don't like to think of you living in such a way. It's a dirty public toilet, and Calvin just happens to be there. There's no nothing funny about that. <laughs> uh, no, Calvin's chained to the wall opposite. Um, so, so okay. you need to, you need to, you know, what are you going to do? Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> If these films have taught me anything, no, no, I'll, um, well, can I talk? Uh, yeah, let's say you're both awake. You both wake up. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Sorry, Alan, you go first. I go, hi, Calvin. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> I, I don't know, Alan. I just woke up here. Uh, let's look for a tape. <laughs> All right, so you notice there's a TV screen on, on the wall. I'm already suspicious about the location <laughs> of this bathroom. The TV's coming on. It's a mess. It's some stupid, like, sock puppet or something. <laughs> I'd, my, I'd immediately go, Calvin, I think Saul's behind this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't come up with a viable sequel for Saw to pitch on the podcast, so I've kidnapped you both. <laughs> to, uh, to workshop some ideas. Um, so you've got bombs attached uh, to collars on your neck that are going to go oh off God. in an hour. Yeah, you need to find your way through a series of games I've set up. Um, Yay. Oh, God. And <laughs> in the final room, you'll you'll find the keys to remove your collars and uh, you can go free until okay, okay. next week when we're doing Thor. <laughs> uh, and, and this is... This is to teach you a lesson or something about valuing me as a friend or something. <laughs> yeah. You 
you pair of, <laughs> your torture begins now as I, I leave the TV on, even though you're not watching anything. Because <laughs> I think that'll wind Calvin up. <laughs> oh, it really does. Oh, you know me too well. Is it, is it on mute? It's on mute, so even though we're really busy, you should be getting on with it. You can't help but just drift off and watch it, <laughs> regardless of what is on it. The TV flashes with the message, look on your foot, but your is spelt with uh, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. <laughs> <laughs> is that just to annoy us or is there just a, a bit of torture that clue? is it a clue <laughs> no it's just a bit, well it's look just on annoying. your foot's a clue it's just being yeah. annoying alright well I'd look on my foot probably the first thing I'd okay, do okay uh, Alan you find a CD stuck to the bottom of your foot how did I not notice that <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a CD player Calvin have you got a CD player over there uh, no no I, I don't believe in physical media anymore <laughs> Okay. What if it's a Blu-ray? Oh yes. Um, oh yes. Uh, I forgot that my Blu-ray player can uh, support CDs. You still buy audio CDs anyway? You're always posting about the. Unless you stopped like the within la- the last. La- the month. last Lady Gaga album. You bought that. Mm, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, look okay. under your foot. Okay. I'm it's a CD player. Oh, there's a CD player under his foot <laughs> the whole oh, time. How did you not notice? Look at that. <laughs> okay, I'd throw a CD over to you. Okay, I'll play it. Hello, lads. Me again. We have fun, don't we? Uh, <laughs> so now you're both chained to a special machine that I've built, Alan. Uh, you like Coke, Coca-Cola, don't you? I, yeah, I do. Drink, yeah. drink a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to cut down, well, to be honest. But... It's bad for your health, so... To prove a point about that, or something, um, at the end of the message, the chain's going to begin pulling you into a vat of Coca-Cola hidden oh, behind yeah. this wall that's now I mean, lifting that, up. I'll be honest and... with you, that's the way I want to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it won't kill you or anything. It's uh, it's probably going to be quite fun, but <laughs> when you get out, you're going to be really sticky, really and the, sticky. the heat, <laughs> like the lamps lighting the place are going to dry you off, and it's just going to be unbearably sticky. So that would be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. That's unless you can unlock the cuffs around your necks, uh, okay. which you also need to do to, to progress to the next room. Okay, so, I think we should do that. Let's unlock the So cuffs. the lock... Okay, yeah, yeah. The lock is set to pick up the specific frequency of your voice, Calvin. Oh, right, okay. And it's primed to release upon being taught how James Bond's just a code name. <laughs> you have three minutes to make it understand. Calvin, you're just gonna have to say it. Just say it. It doesn't matter if you don't mean it. It just, it just, it, it doesn't understand the the meaning behind it. It just, it recognizes the words. Oh, Come on, Calvin, just do name. it. It's a code name. The evidence is all there. Like when George Lazenby says, "This never happened to the other fella," and the fact that they all change ages, but M stays the same from film to film. And and it releases. You're free to go to the next room. <laughs> oh, that was tough. I think you should have um, just. Dunked in the coke. <laughs> well done, Calvin. You're a strong man. Okay, we go through the door. Okay, uh, so you see uh, a room fairly bare. There's a, a kitchen area to your right and a, yeah. a desk in the middle with a, a middle-aged uh, man, Fred, who's a... Uh, <laughs> Fred? Yeah. I'll tell you now, Fred's a bricklayer, just to give you a sense of, of who he is. Okay, now, I, think, I think the challenge here is, you, Calvin, you're going to have to talk to him without being patronising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We have to make him a cup of tea with lots of sugar in it. 
the oh, the dear. message is saying that Fred knows the combination of the padlock keeping the door to the next room closed. Um. So you're both going to have to confront your your fear of interacting with uh, with the working the working class. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, I, I think I should take care of this one. I think, I, I think this one is for you. Yes, I, I did the last one, so I think it's only fair. Yeah, I was I was raised with the working class. You, you, sh- sh- uh, sh- okay, I'll, I'll wait here. You go over and I'll, and I'll talk do my to broad accent. All right, Fred. What do you want, sunshine? <laughs> um, I believe you got the code for uh, door. Can we have? Oh it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we have it? We got to get through. Oh, what's in it for me? Hurry up! The timer's running down. Uh, I don't know. What do you want, mate? Oh, well, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the code if you make me experience just one moment of of complete and utter happiness, bliss. That might be up to you, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> I tell thee what. Why don't you go over there, make me a cup of tea, lad? And right. that that skinny one over there. You go go for, go find my DVD, my favourite film, and that pile of DVDs, and put it on for me, and I'll have a nice cuppa with a, a film. Oh, what's right. your favourite film? That's well, the can't test. you tell? I'm a bricklayer. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, it could be Brick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could my be. My favourite film's 2005's Brick with uh, I thought it was gonna be Sex Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like that, sunshine. Oh, you're going to have to be sharpish now. Oh, All right, I'm yeah, making a cup of tea. Slight. I mean, I've got brick. The kettle's on. It's going to take about two and a half minutes to boil. I've got eight sugars here. I think that's going to be enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am going to have to leave the tea bag in there for about eight minutes, though. Have we got time for that? I've got to really get this strong. I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll save time. I've put four tea bags in. Uh, okay, right. I've made a cup of tea. Oh, it's no good, lad. No, you've got to put the milk in first. No, you don't. Oh my god, it's a trick. <laughs> That's no real working class man. <laughs> That's Sol in a disguise. <laughs> Wait a minute. It was Sol all along. <laughs> Make me another one, you cunt. I've made you a cup of tea. Here's a, here's a biscuit. Um, it's a digestive. Right. It's a man's biscuit. Oh, that's a lovely brew. Now, where's my film? My accent's changed. Oh, here. Where am I from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. No, well, I'm, you I'm, see, I'm, I'm opening up the box now, and uh, inside this box of 2005's Brick, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, directed by Ryan Johnson, <laughs> it appears to be a copy of Good Burger, the <laughs> Keenan and Kel vehicle. <laughs> right? <laughs> Is that so, that's a clue? Um, it's a clue or something. Um, so yeah, I would suggest you go and find the uh, the Good Burger box, and maybe it's okay. in there instead. Okay. Okay, okay I found right. the Good Burger box. I've opened it. Oh no, it's got a uh, a copy of Sherlock Bones <laughs> undercover dog inside. Oh, no. <laughs> it appears as though some maniacal genius has uh, swapped <laughs> all the DVDs around and put them in the wrong box. Okay, oh, Calvin, we have to open all the boxes quickly. We're just looking okay. for brick. D- d- okay, look, brick. this one. Okay. Ernest goes to camp. That's no good. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. What's this one? The Shallows? Why, why have they got that one? It's <laughs> out of place. God, God. Okay, you're making your way through. There's lesbian vampire killers in there. Uh, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting closer. I found Looper. 
Uh, also directed by Rian Johnson. Oh, I found a pirated version of Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh, okay, I found it. Here it is. It's uh, it was, it was, in it was the... inside Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, Sunshine. There you go. Code is one. <laughs> Should have tried that. <laughs> okay, I'll put the one into the thing. Beep. There we go. It opened. <laughs> All right. All right. Now we're gonna skip skip through the next few rooms and a montage. Uh, okay. Good. Okay. There's a room. There's a room where you have to read something, but there's someone reading over your shoulder. <laughs> um. There's, there's a room where there's just like a couple just like getting off with each other in public, and it's really awkward, and you have to like mm. sit next to them. Um. And and you make your way to the the last room. Mm. So well done, gentlemen. I'm, uh, Thank you. I'm I'm impressed with your skill and vigor. Yes. The uh, the test where you have to do the washing, only to find there was a tissue in the pocket of the trousers <laughs> that ruins it all was uh, particularly difficult. You did well there. <laughs> <laughs> only one task remains, right. and then you are free. Uh, so yeah, what what are you going to do? Look around the room. There's a yeah, there's a box. Yeah. What, what yeah. There's a box marked Invisalign. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You mean the uh, incredibly wonderful dental uh, company who uh, have revolutionised my teeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, we open oh, okay. the box. Inside it is an envelope labelled Calvin. I open the envelope. Inside it is an X-ray clearly showing a key wedged between Calvin's two front teeth oh, that, no. oh, no. <laughs> that Sol obviously snuck into the gap back when it was big enough, and now it's been fixed. It's closed around the, te- the key. And uh, there's also an IKEA toolbox on the floor. Okay, what's in the toolbox then? All right, you've got a uh, like a screwdriver with some different attachments, uh, yeah. uh, some pliers, a big hammer. Sorry, sorry. What? So we have to get the key out from between my teeth. <laughs> what was? I don't know. What's the key for? The key is to presumably open the final, uh, the the collars around your neck. And what and happens if we don't get, get the, the bombs key? go off? We both die. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do this then. What are you going to do, Calvin? I'm not getting involved. No, you you're going to have to. If you want to pull your teeth out, that's all to your new. But I can't. I, I'm I'm weird about teeth. I'm not getting involved. With that. <laughs> no, I. I, I, I I, I can't do it. I'll, I'll, I'd need someone else to wield the hammer. I'm happy to die. I'm, I'm alright. <laughs> let's just let go. Let's let's hold each other while we die. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I can just get them put back in later on. It'll be like... It looks really easy in um, Human Centipede 2 when they do it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, we died. died. <laughs> oh. The end. Oh, well... <laughs> Isn't there a point in one of these films where a guy pulls his teeth out and it's got writing on it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we died. That's a shame. um... That's an ending to the film, isn't it? But then, who will Sol do the podcast with? Uh, Fred. (laughs) Oh, it's me, Fred. (laughs) This week, we're doing Brick. It's my choice. I'm not Brick again, Fred. Hello, it's me, Fred again. Thank you for listening to this week's Diminishing Returns. Featuring me, Fred, from now on. I'm the new host. No more Alan and Calvin. 
they're both dead, so if you don't like that, go complain in reviews on iTunes and uh, follow on Facebook and Twitter for updates about me hosting New Diminishing Returns. Next week, we're doing Brick, followed by Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Bricky Bobby, Brick and Morty, Bricky and the Flash, Philip K. Brick's Electric Dreams, Brick Ass, The Big Brick, Bricking and Screaming, John Brick, Brick Boxer, The Girl Who Bricked the Hornet's Nest, Bricker Treat, The Bricker Man, the 1973 version, The Bricker Man, the remake starring Brickless Cage, Robot Brickin, The Spider Brick Chronicles, Bricky Christina Barcelona, The Hot Brick, Brick and Run, Good Brick, The Brick of It, The Brick Van Dyke Show, Brick Nick at Hanging Rock, Bricky Mouse Clubhouse, The Brick and the Dead, and Pet Cementary. See you next week!